There's something powerful about the church. Gathered 400 voices singing that we need Jesus. To strip away all the noise, to strip away everything that's been just pummeling us. And just say, Lord, just help us focus in on this time. As, as we reflect on the teaching that you have for us and then go out and live as your children. Lord, that's what we want to be about. And uh, you'll, you'll see this word, this phrase that's behind me, this R-E. And we're going to be in a sermon series over the course of the next six weeks. And, and the idea of this sermon series is to get us to refocus, to, to do the things as Christians that are most important. Where God works in our hearts, he reforms us and he gets us to go out and live as forgiven children of God. And, and so today, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the concept of repent. And, and you'll notice over the next six weeks, each of these topics that we'll have, we'll start off with the letters R-E. And so today we have repent. As Christians, we know that this is a big churchy word. Uh, and I'm going to kind of lay out this topic by, by looking at it in several different angles, okay? There's one that takes the idea of sin, and, and they basically approaches it from this attitude. Sin, what's, what's the big deal? Or Jesus is going to forgive me anyway. And then there's those who are so undone by their sinful behavior that they're actually paralyzed by it. They cannot move in their life because of it. And we're going to take a look at, at all of it as we reflect on this idea of repentance. Now, you and I just got done saying, we're sorry, Lord, for the things that we've made in this life, this, this sin-filled life that we've lived, right? And so there's an idea, though, of being repentant and remorseful. We can feel sorry and not do anything about it, or we can repent, and, and that's what we're going to look at now. All right, so this is this idea of what does it mean to be remorseful or to repent, and so let's get this next slide up. Remorse is really just a description, right? It just talks about this deep feeling of regret that we have, uh, maybe because of some misdeed that we've done. And, and really what happens here, as you look at the, the roots of this word, is, is to take the letters R-E and understand that really means again, and, and from Latin this phrase morde means to bite. And so when we are feeling sorry about some of the stuff we're doing, what's happening is our conscience is working. This idea between right and wrong that God has written in our heart, this moral compass that God has given to all living beings, it's working against us. And our past actions are biting us. And so we feel sad and we maybe even feel regretful. But there are those among us that will, will say, you know what, no big deal, ultimately, and we don't change our ways. And how can I say that? Because you and I constantly live in a life of sin. We constantly go back to it. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, Jesus is going to forgive us anyway if I do that. You know what that heart attitude is actually saying? Is, you know what, Lord? I'm actually not sorry for my sin. I'm sorry I got caught. Who here has a brother or a sister? Right? Right? All right, have you ever gotten into a fight with your brother and sister when you were growing up? Hopefully as adults we don't do that anymore. But right, but maybe your mom or dad said, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to apologize to your brother and sister. And did you? Yeah, you said, I'm sorry. Right. 
Where's your heart? Man, mom caught me again, but boy, he's such a dingbat. He needed to get that, right? So he deserved it. So really what we're saying is I'm sorry that I got caught. There's no real big deal about this, but we just got caught. And that's what we do when we go back to the sin-filled life. We're, we're really saying, Lord, you can't see me. You don't see this behavior or that's the way we approach it. It's not a big deal. You're going to forgive me anyway. And so we're really saying, I'm just sorry that I got caught. Actually, there's, there's more that is going on. Jesus wants us to get away from that style of life. He wants us to be sorry about our sin and actually do something with it. All right? He wants us to repent. And the idea of repent is to, to feel bad about that. You cannot repent without that sorrow, without that remorse, but to actually do something with it and to turn away from it and say, that is not the life that I want, that is not for me, and to go back to the way that God would have us live. Because here's another way that we approach our sins. We say things like, sin is simply just a mistake. But sins are not just mistakes. What loving parent would actually do something like this? So, okay, if we were to treat sins as just simply a mistake, it's basically saying, all right, kids, you know, because you made that mistake, you're, you're out. Now, what loving parent is going to do that? No, we want our kids to, to know that, it's, all right, if you make a mistake, pick yourself up and, and learn from it, right? Actually, we're hoping that if our children are going to make mistakes, that, that they do so in the safety of our care because we don't want them to have long-term consequences for it, right? Beyond our safety net that we can provide as parents. But sins are not just mistakes. Sins are basically saying, Lord, I don't want any part of you. Because when we sin, we're cut off from God. So if you have a pet sin, if you have a sin that you constantly fall into, guess what you're basically saying? Lord, I want this. I don't want you. I want to be over here in this sin-filled life where it feels good and it, it, it's all about what I want. And I'd rather live cut off from you. That's what we're doing when we constantly sin. We don't even care if we get caught. We're just saying, Lord, I don't want you anymore. Sin is huge. Sin is basically saying, I want to be in control. I don't want to go here with you, Lord. And so, yeah, we are all guilty of that. Heard this other idea, and this is, I'm going to take you now over to this other extreme. We're all guilty. Scripture says it pretty clearly that we all fall short of the glory of God, right? Other places in Scripture say, uh, who among us can say we have a clean heart? Or there's times when we confess, and you'll hear it in the confession, that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, right? So we're deceiving ourselves. If you take those verses a little further, it basically says, if we say we have no sin, we're making God out to be a liar. And we're judging God. And we're all guilty. But there's some of us that are so burdened by our guilt that we can't move, we're, we're paralyzed. And that's this idea of guilt versus shame. Right? Guilt is you're, you've, you've done something wrong. There's a word, a thought, an action that you've done and, and it was out of line. You're, you're guilty. And there's a feeling that can come with it. 
Shame says this, and I heard this over this conference that we heard from Bill Tucker. Shame says this, that you are wrong yourself, that somehow deep down inside you feel like you're a mistake. And it's paralyzing. You see, when you're dealing with shame at that level, you look into a mirror and you feel less than. Or when you're confronted with your sin, you're like, yeah, I messed up again. And you don't know a way out. And so your thoughts are, are, are plagued by it. You go to bed at night. Your thoughts are plagued by it in the quietness of the night. Your dreams are haunted by your sins because of some of those actions that you've done. Those are pretty bad. And if someone really truly knew what you had done, oh man, you would be so embarrassed you wouldn't even be able to set your face, you think, in public. And so you're paralyzed by your sin. So two extremes. You have this over here that says, God, sin isn't a big deal, or Jesus, you're going to forgive me anyway. Or you have this, you're paralyzed by sin, you don't know how to move because you feel like you yourself are a mistake. Well, the answer to all that spectrum, and, and the reality is, is we're all in there somewhere, right? Where do you fall? The answer is repentance. It's where the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart and saying, come back to me. Come back to me. Live the way that I would have you live. And, and that's a beautiful place for us to be as, as Christian brothers and sisters. There's no escape from the fact that we are sinful human beings, but God is empowering us through the Holy Spirit to live differently for him. He, he encourages us to daily repent, to be reminded of the fact that we are baptized children of God, that we've drowned that old Adam and we've made new in the res resurrection of Christ. And, and there's some scripture passages that talk about a guy named David, and that was that psalm that was read earlier. After David had done some pretty bad stuff, he was remorseful. But not only was he remorseful, as he did something about it, he repented. And that's the psalm that we had. And I'm just going to share a handful of verses from it. Right, from Psalm 25, verse 7. David is saying this. Now what he had done is he had committed adultery. And not only as the king did he commit adultery, but he so wanted to be in the presence of that woman that was not his, that he was willing to kill for it. And so he actually murdered the husband of the woman that he went after so that he could have her for himself. He abused his power as king. He's a sinner. And he was confronted by it. And he felt remorse. But he did something with it. And he says, Lord, don't remember the sins of my youth or my rebellious ways. That was a prayer that he prayed. He also prayed this prayer. Lord, remember your love and your mercy because that's who you are. That's from you of old. And that's the prayer that you and I as Christians can pray. Lord, remember your love and your mercy. Don't remember my sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. Lord, your mercy and your compassion, that's who you are. But help me as a child of you live changed and transformed for you. And here's another truth, especially if you're dealing with shame. No one who ever hopes in you, Lord, will ever be put to shame. So here's the, here's the truth. If you're struggling with shame, if, you, if you're one who you, you really are praying that nobody ever truly finds out who you really are because you feel like you're a mistake, well, know this, God doesn't make mistakes. 
and God isn't the one shaming you. You are shaming you. Your sinful nature is throwing your sins back in your face and saying you're no good. And God is saying something completely different. He's saying, you are worth me sending my son for. And that's what he does. Jesus takes on our shame. Jesus takes on our sin. And, and, and in Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. And because of that great work, look what also scriptures tell us happened. Jesus, where God says, I'm going to forgive their iniquity and remember their sins against them no more. When Jesus sees you, when God sees you, when the Holy Spirit's convicting, he doesn't see you as a sinful human being. He sees the work that Jesus did for us on the cross. And he chooses to remember that sin against us no more. He chooses not to hold it against us. That doesn't give us license to do anything we want over here because we want to live in relationship with our Lord. God chooses to remember that sin against us no more. So on that last day when we stand before him on judgment, we're going to hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant, well done. Come and enjoy the inheritance that's been prepared before time began. That's a promise. That's your promise. And nothing can ever take that away from you because of the faith that God has worked in your heart. So, so what do we do with this gift? This gift where God's not going to remember our sins against us. He's going to see Jesus in us. We gather together on a regular basis and we strengthen and encourage one another. Those are those words from James where we're praying for the sick and we're, we're celebrating those that have things to celebrate and we're calling out sin. But when we call out sin, we do it with this heart. That I'm a sinner too. Because here's what the church has a tendency to do. When we encounter people that are doing things that are not the way we would do it, we say things like they should be ashamed of themselves. Or, or we really don't, if they don't look like us or act like us, we say, well, you really don't have a place here. That, that may not be what we want to do, but sometimes it's the way we convey our actions. We end up in the shaming business, and the church should not be in the shaming business because every single one of us are sinful human beings, and God desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So we welcome people in. We welcome people in because we recognize it's here where, where God's word works and, and God will change hearts where he wants hearts to change and God will convict where God wants to convict. And we as brothers and sisters in Christ get to do life together encouraging one another in the truths of scripture. And that, my brothers and sisters, is one of the ways that we show how beautiful it is to live with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. We live repentant lives. Amen.